Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode 25 of What's the Chakkar where we will celebrate the best of Indian arts and culture in 2022. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakkar. Thechakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports and more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode I will interview a number of guests on their favorite trends in music, literature, and film and TV from India and abroad from the year 2022. In conversation today with Shasta Vaishnav, Anurag Tagad, and Pratik Santram, we will discuss books by Josie Joseph and Maggie O'Farrell, listen to music by the Anirudh Verma Collective, and look back at the second season of Panchayat. So strap in and let's get around the chakra. <laughs> So Shasta Vasanth joins us back on the What's a Chakkar podcast and we are doing our best of 2022 it's a very special episode where uh, we want to talk about some of the best books we've read all year and sort of crown our champions of the year now um, both of us cheated a little bit because none of the books we have chosen were actually published this year uh, but i think we're just going to go with the books we in- read and enjoyed the most um, that's I picked uh the silent coup a history of india's deep state by josie joseph uh and nice. it was published originally published by westland in august 2021 so n- i'm not that off you know I-, i read it a few months after it was published and it just happened to be in 2022 um yeah honestly it's one of the most eye popping non fiction books i feel i've ever read uh joseph who's i think he's been one of india's pr- premier investigative journalist for decades uh he's written mm-hmm. another very classic non-fiction book a feast of vultures mm. uh, and he, but he truly delivers with the silent coup I, i i mean i already considered this as you know magnus opus and he might write another one uh it, the, i don't know have you have you come across this book yet not yet i mean i know you've spoken about it and i've been very interested but uh, yeah i'm i'm it's on my list <laughs> Yeah so let me let me this is a good way for me to sell it to you now i have talked about it before um on a previous podcast so uh, some of the themes might repeat but you know since this is the end of the year thing um it'll, it'll be nice to, to sort of bring up to flag some of the things that i i found most memorable about this book um it felt really urgent and important you know especially in a country where there's so much happening behind this opaque curtain of what joseph would call the deep state uh and yeah. our government um he investigates the many small machinations that you know keep the wheel turning for the government and our security forces and um the these this wheel is turning often to protect sort of a particular narrative about india to protect what um the, the most powerful people basically at the expense of the ordinary man right. uh, there's so much about this book that i felt that we indians are already aware we already suspected but joseph brings it out for public consumption like he he brings the receipts he he shows proof you know he puts names to um to places where we suspect somebody would have done something he actually shows us characters real life people right. um what he's obsessed with is uh, telling us about you know the security forces which includes the army 
the anti-terrorist intelligence, the Delhi police, the, the AFSPA, and how they are sort of threatening uh, the, citizens, the, the citizens of India, in, in a way. In his own introduction, he calls this the gravest threat to the Indian state. Um, and I, I, obviously, like it, it was a controversial book. Westland shut down not long after, not just because of this book, but a number of other uh, non-fiction books that are published um, criticizing the yeah. government, right? Um, yeah. Now, Indians, I feel we tend to have this habit of glorifying men in uniform as if they're sinless and as if they can do no wrong, as if they're all above criticism. Mm -hmm. um, but Joseph sort of, he, he, he shows us, he presents this gloomy but very necessary reality that if we don't check the people who are supposed to protect us or sort protect us, they they look out for their own means too. Um, one of the things he does, he takes a very interesting approach. He uh, he makes a narrative, as I mentioned, about real human beings, real people. Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. first part of the book is about an individual named Wahid uh, okay. who lives in the slum areas of Mumbai. And the last 20 years have sort of been a nightmare for him. Uh, he's He gets dragged by security forces. He's accused of almost everything under the sun. He's stripped of his rights. Anytime something happens, they, they bring Wahid in. Uh, right. He's stripped of his rights. He's just treated differently. And why? Because he's poor and he's Muslim. Uh, and, and so Joseph uses this personal story of Wahid to show us like the larger kaleidoscope of larger, deeper underlying rots in our system. The, the scary thing is that there's many more Wahids out there, you know. Um, and Joseph, he, he talks about a number of past cases of fishy, questionable and downright illegal behavior by the security establishment around the country. Um, he, he tells the story of the flight 814 hijack in 99, uh, the kidnapping of Rubaiya Saeed, the, the atrocities co committed by the army under the protection of ASPA in Kashmir and Manipur and so much more. So it's definitely a pretty heavy read. Uh, it, it made me mad. It'll make any anyone who reads will be angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll make you sus suspicious of like these long-held beliefs you, some people may have. Obviously, people who have been uh, oppressed under the security forces, for them, this is nothing new. But for, I would say, a, lo a lot more mainstream Indians, um, Joseph brings this really important book out to the mainstream. Uh, these these truths that people have known, he brings them out to the mainstream. Um, but you know what? It, it's it's also a delightful book. He, he writes so beautifully. He writes so delightfully. And I think at the end of the day, that's what, you know, they, a lot of people write these, uh, important nonfiction pieces for Frontline. They write these important nonfiction pieces for the Hindu, for, for a bunch of other uh, journals around the country. But they don't get that same kind of narrative fluidity that actually takes for a, a reader of books who, who may not want to read nonfiction, who just wants to read great stories uh, to, to ingest in that way. And I think that's what he does. He He's a fantastic writer who's able to present this larger, bigger picture with very precise uh, excellence. So for all that, this is my choice. This is uh, crowning my favorite book of the year was Josie Joseph's The Silent Coup. Amazing. Um, is it is it a very graphic uh, book, Karan? Because you're, you're talking about atrocities committed and all of that. Is it very like uh, difficult to get through in terms of the situations shown? Uh, it, it, it's not graphic in like a sensory visceral way. Like they're not, but it's, 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 it's not difficult to get through because it is very well written and and there is a narrative you 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 wish to know what what this what's going to happen to this character and 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 you're not just given referential points you're told stories um 
but but it may be difficult to read because it makes you angry because it's it's sort of it you know uh, it it boils your blood up uh, and i think because that's what yeah because it's true because it's true yeah um yeah. just an important book and i feel that um, i feel every, every every indian should really read it every indian that cares about democracy who cares about um the security forces they they should be reading it no definitely i'm it's yeah i'm going to put it on my list um i don't usually like books like this that make you upset or you know but but it but it's like then you can't run away from you're living in in this escapist uh, mm. bubble which is exactly what the people in power want right so um yeah it was <laughs> it was a tough choice for me to pick too i i really wanted to go with fiction and there has been excellent fiction published in india this year um but when i was reflecting on this a few days ago uh, i realized you know the, the the way i judge excellence in any art is how like like does it haunt me in a good or a bad way you know months later and i mean you know the, the, I'll, i'll see a really good film and it'll haunt me months years later right so that's how i felt about this i felt this book haunted me in a good way uh, months and months after i finished reading wow that's 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 a good way to sell it as in <laughs> yeah i'm definitely sold so what's been haunting you what, what what haunted you the most in 2022 so good question yeah karan i ha- it's been a good year of reading mm. it could have been better it could have been better i this year i read four indian authors uh, four female indian authors mm-hmm. uh, no three female indian authors one male and I really, really enjoyed all of them. Desperately seeking Sharo, uh, no presence, please. We've we've talked about them in the last yeah. few. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it between when I was choosing my favorite, the toss up was between um, this Omani book uh, called Celestial Bodies, uh, which I absolutely loved, um, and this book of essays. by maggie o'farrell called i am i am i am so when you when you say a book that you remember that really when you talk about a book like that it's this one mm-hmm. because i feel like when i read um, there are very few books that inspire me to write and i feel like this one is mm-hmm. is it one of those because i can see her process and i can see why this book is so readable and so well written and then i can see myself maybe doing something like this mm. so this is probably why i love this book so much but i think even somebody who's not an aspiring writer would love this book because it's so simple the concept is so simple it's 17 brushes with death and it's not even near death experiences because you can't have 17 near death experiences it's just brushes with death mm. and it's such an interesting way to tell a story to tell the boring story of your life which nobody wants to know actually mm. but if you really do want to write about it and make it interesting this, this is possibly the most interesting way you know um and i've read many books of essays and this is probably the most engaging one um durga chubos's book is a close second too much and not the more but mm. this one is very very engaging as well because each essay is uh uh each essay starts with one body part like i don't know mm. if you can see but like spine legs liver spleen or like one one body part like circus circulatory system and then each essay will go on to sort of so that's the part that had the brush with death you know yeah. and then sort of want to to and, and some of them are so simple it's as simple as walking on a road and almost being run over like so many of us when we walk on the road we are like this close to a truck yeah. or something and like oh god so some of them are like 
like as simple as that and some of them are much more serious where she's like battling with a uh, long term illnesses or like she almost gets uh, you know raped and murdered you know or she almost drowns a couple of times so they are much more uh, serious but the way mm. she's written and she's also woven her whole life into these essays like so right from childhood to now so very nice way of uh, writing about one's life so i think yeah. that's why this really stood out because i actually remembered most of the essays i remember mm. most of the things that happened to her and um, and it, i was actually thinking it was similar with no presence please also of jan kaikeni's stories about mumbai that i do remember many of them like many of them stand out and i think that's the mark of a good novel right when you when something haunts you like you said yeah. when something uh but i chose the book of essays because essays are closer to my heart as personally mm. yeah so but i think definitely and maggie o farrell by the way has published a fabulous book this year mm. the marriage portrait mm. it's on my list and apparently people who read it are like it's so relatable and it's just like it's like she's taken our own uh, experiences and you know put them on paper and stuff like that so um so yeah found a really good new author with this book yeah. which I absolutely love, and uh, it's a quick, it's a fairly easy, quick read. So I would say even people who don't read regularly can will really enjoy this. One. So yeah, that's my yeah. book of twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about this a few months ago when you had first read it, and yeah. uh, I was just taken aback by how creative this her idea is. Like the, you know, you were right in saying, you know, a lot of people can write memoirs. A lot of people tell their life story. but why would anyone want to read your life story because almost if it's just a simple narrative we have seen that told in so many ways before and i think her approach of making it about brushes with death and and here's my life in brushes with death is such a cool way of approaching it and it's such a nice little hook that yeah. that no matter even if you don't care about her life you you will care about these 17 brushes with death and yes. uh, and you're completely right like how I understand how uh, something like this can be inspiring to anyone to go out and write something about themselves, because it it pushes you to be creative too. It pushes you to think outside the box to find something different about the world, right? And I think I mentioned also that if if we were writing this book in India, it'd be probably seventeen hundred brushes with death because exactly <laughs> just to walk down the street there is. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. Like it looks like oh my god, she's had so many. But if you look at any of our lives through mm-hmm. this lens. Mm-hmm. it ha- it's it, it's probably it holds true for a- for anyone who's lived mm-hmm. like 38 39 years on this planet it holds we've all been through surgeries and you know accidents and this and that and whatever right so we can mm-hmm. if you look at it through that lens we've all had so she found that hook basically mm-hmm. you know it forces you to also look at your own life and maybe appreciate it in a different way you know yeah 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 so i i really i really enjoyed this Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Shasta. Uh, th- obviously, th- this is a book that's done really well. People have talked about it for years, and um, deserves to be one of our books of the year. So, thanks again yeah, for sharing, yeah. and I hope twenty twenty three brings us a lot more great literature, a lot many more great books. I agree. I can't wait, and I I really want to. My challenge is to read twenty three books at least in twenty twenty three. I know that. Okay. Sound like much, but I really need to make it happen. I'm rushing for the twenty second book in twenty twenty two. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> All right, Shasta, thank you so much for joining today. Mm-hmm.
So welcome back, Anurag Tagat, to the What's the Chakra podcast. Anurag, how you been? Hey, Karan. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's it's been going good. Obviously, a lot of uh, year end stuff that's uh, happening this time around this month. And uh, in addition to that, you know, always every now and then there's like a surprise release that uh, you have to divert all your attention to, or something like that. And uh, over and above that, the festivals, of course, that are happening, the shows that are happening. Just uh, this past weekend was quite huge in terms of the number of artists who performed, you know. Um, Post Malone performed here. Uh, Offset from uh, Migos performed here. Anushka Shankar is here. Uh, man, there's just, <laughs> there's just too much happening, basically. And and when you say here, just to clarify, uh, Anurag, you're in Bangalore. So uh, it's sort of, I mean, it's a, like a, a bunch of people are coming into Bangalore too, right? All the time. I mean, it's always been a big thing, but now it's just piling up, as you say. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, the, yeah, this what I was mentioning was all over the country, in fact, because Post Malone was in Mumbai and uh, Offset was in Bangalore. Uh, Anushka Shankar is performing in multiple cities. Um, then uh, DJ Hardwell was in Gurgaon. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Steve Aoki was again in Bangalore. So yeah, there's, there's just lots and lots of stuff basically all over. And I feel it's been, um, it's been a strange year for... Um... Indian indie music as well as live performances because I feel everyone's now making up for lost time. So many of our podcasts earlier in the year were about, oh, are the shows going to come back? Are the shows going to come back? How, how is one going to feel in a live show? And now that things seem to be almost completely open, really. Uh, I think I was I was speaking to Ricky Cage uh, for an interview when when he's got nominated for his third Grammy now. So he was he was saying how like this is all just revenge touring basically, you know, like. <laughs> So he describes it. So as we've been reading about revenge, so many things, I guess, revenge touring <laughs> is also a thing. <laughs> um. So so this is our a year end podcast, and I and I wanted to sort of focus on the best of twenty twenty two. And I feel someone like you who is so in tune with the Indian indie music scene, you'll be able to give us like a good, very brief, quick roundup uh, roundup of the best music that you have personally enjoyed this year. So uh. I already know the the song that you chose. I think the the best song of the year is the song that we are gonna play later on at the end of this episode. So why don't we talk about uh, let's say which artists? Uh, let's start with an artist. Let let's say which artist has sort of inspired you the most, or that you have seen that do the most interesting things in music this year. Uh, I think it's uh, it's been uh, Raman Negi actually from uh, you know he was formerly of the local train and uh, you know he he literally left the band that he founded and uh, you know set out to do his own solo stuff much to you know I guess heartbroken fans of the local train but uh, what he came out with was was you know yeah some really deeply personal deeply you know like heart open hearted kind of stuff. Uh, that was uh, best of all. It was across so many styles. Uh, so you know his his album uh, that came out is called Shark Seer, and um, you know he released a bunch of singles before that uh, all through this year. All of which you know like just yeah showcased a wonderful personality. So I think and over and above that you know like he leapt back into performing and you know got to do a few festivals and few shows and things like that. So yeah, re- really happy for. Uh, the way things have gone for him and also just yeah I guess uh, now that these songs are out I guess uh, people can actually enjoy it yeah and so by the way there's gonna be I'm sure in your own mind there's 15 other artists that you feel you want to highlight but we're gonna rush through it so our apologies to place 
you know, number two, three, four, and five, we are only going to focus on Anurag's favorites today. Um, <laughs> let's question number two. What's your favorite album of 2022? And it's so tough to choose one, uh, definitely. Uh, but I, I think I would probably... I have I have a sweet spot for Parikh and Singh all the time. So their album, The Night Is Clear, was uh, really something else for me uh, as like a full album listening mm. experience and also just understanding the kind of things that they were singing about, uh, which again, like for them was quite different. I think they were thinking, singing about some fairly, you know, personal stuff like Nishay was singing about, you know, his relation with his parents and things like that. So uh, it was such a, uh, refreshing change compared to what we had heard on the previous uh, two records, uh, Science City and Ocean. So um, this was the, the, this was really something else. And of course, like yeah, I've been following the journey all all the way. Uh, personally, resonated with the music. So uh, yeah, this album was uh, really a sort of like met expectations and also exceeded you know expectations. And of course, uh, diligent listeners of the podcast will know that we featured one of um, Parikin Singh's later songs, CCC, on our podcast a few months ago. Uh, and yeah, I can't, can't argue with the choice there. I think you mentioned this when, when you, you had first picked the song. But the fact that they, 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 they took kind of a risk with sound, but at the same time stayed consistent in a weird way. Like it, they managed to do both things with this album. Uh, they move forward, but while also staying true to who they are uh, which was which was kind of a cool thing to do question number three uh, your favorite and this might be the toughest one actually because you've seen so many your, your favorite live show to see in person you have you have had to be there you can't have heard about it like so so of course the the ambience of the event also counts right uh, so your favorite live show to have seen in 2022 so far yeah I, I think uh, it's it's been a bit of a blur that way uh also because of the just yeah i mean <laughs> that's a good sign uh, in, in both ways actually in, in the ways that suddenly i started seeing a lot of shows but also in the middle i was away from shows for a while for like at least two or three months so i definitely feel like i missed a bit but um yeah i mean like my most most recently uh you know the spotify rap 91 show uh comes to mind it took place in mumbai it had like a solid solid you know, like really well curated lineup of producers like Karan Kanchan and Parimal Chais who were uh, basically behind the decks and had like a revolving door of rappers like come out and perform with them. That was really cool. Uh, I got to see a huge record-breaking artist like King um, perform for the first time after hearing uh, quite a bit about him. And he was, uh, yeah, he was phenomenal. Uh, got to see like a new talent that I recently interviewed and that uh, was on the cover of Rolling Stones, Shristi Tawade. So she was... Uh, quite quite out there as well um so all of these performances i mean it was a lot of rap music over i guess the span of i'm gonna say almost um six hours or five hours of like you know rap music so it was it was definitely a lot to take in but at the same time you know says on the beat was also there with his own uh crew you know the movement so there were just so many good uh names a lot of surprises that came in things that just really proved that uh you know like um Mumbai is is the heart of, you know, like I think hip hop in many ways. Uh, this event sort of proved that. So it's really cool to be there, um, see all that go down. That actually sounds amazing. As as a hip hop fan, I wish I wish I could have been there. And yeah, Mumbai is the heart of Indian hip hop. I feel it. It kind of has to be. Final question. This is a bonus question. Any international act that you enjoyed enough? It could be somebody 
that's completely famous that is you know that everyone knows about or it could be somebody somebody independent whatever leaving it up to you uh, an, an international act that you would recommend to our listeners that they check out their their album their music this year right i mean uh, you know personally like my my taste often revolve around heavy heavy music mm-hmm. so like i would definitely recommend like this uh like a like a metallic hardcore band that's from the uk uh called uh ethica and they're written as i t h a c a so yeah ethica from the from the uk which uh yeah like really cool uh you know like just really slamming like hardcore uh kind of stuff uh metal uh which is i think very um cathartic basically and i think that's what i always try to look out for in heavy music or in just normal music so uh these folks really like uh run through it quite well this is their second album it's called they fear us and uh yeah it was it was a great album can't recommend all their music enough honestly to everybody mm-hmm. that's awesome anurag thank you for humoring me and i i i threw this questions at you last minute now of course yeah. let's let, let's close up with uh our song of the year really and so so you recommended uh the homecoming album by the anirudh verma collective and we and i decided to go with the, the actual title song of this album homecoming itself which is this 8 minute long sort of beautiful hindustani slash fusion slash a bunch of different things epic saga of a song uh so why don't you uh, introduce me to anirudh verma collective and and why uh, why this particular album why this song resonated with you so much this year yeah definitely i think um i've been following anirudh verma's work like for a few years ever since he wrote in to me and first for sharing his albums i think right around the time his first album came out he was performing a lot in new delhi basically and i think that still remains his um strong point that he can really pull together these huge ensemble shows uh you know in delhi um i think along the way what i've seen is uh you know just his his choice in sort of like collaborators or just the artists that he chooses to work with uh they're really exceptional and he himself as as a as a pianist as a keyboardist as you know like as a composer uh he has a sense of i think um you know finding something refreshing in indian classical music that uh i think is very uh you know reassuring to know uh in where we are right now it's it's a certain kind of fusion that um say you know folks like advaita used to like really be known for um and i think now like he's sort of taken it a step ahead uh by making it even more grandiose by making it even more uh lush and just yeah emotional you know and uh, also sort of once in a while like flitter- flittering across styles and working with people like darshan doshi for example on this album which was described kick ass uh, you know he's worked with avay sharma who is like an excellent uh, saxophonist from the revisit project so uh, and you know homecoming itself is as you said like it's it's just um i think the the piano riff that sort of like goes into this is is really something just out of that melody like everything that's constructed around it uh, it really draws you in right the, the collaboration part of this is what i find super interesting because it's one thing to be a great individual composer and a great individual artist in any field but to then kind of get greats of other fields and then you're leading them but you're working with them and 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 i think that that balance that takes something completely different from an artist which most i mean i don't think a lot of artists have that because it takes both art and leadership or both art and sort of like person skills 
and uh, uh, these like these skills of collaboration collaborative skills so I, it, it it was fascinating to me how how cohesive uh, the song sounded despite the fact that it as you mentioned it it involves so many different people it it sounds like they, th- this particular group of people have been together forever but you know it seems like they have you know he 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 flirts with different with different musicians all the time right yeah absolutely i mean this album itself like it's definitely also among my like top 10 albums indian albums this year um just because of the sheer range of everything and you know i think um a lot of people will accuse like these sort of fusion artists to be very indulgent and you know but i would say that that's exactly what makes it so beautiful uh, that they really don't give a damn about you know whether the song is 9 minutes 7 minutes 6 minutes whatever you know like um they really just get into it and let each artist like really shine in their own way and also come together as as a collective so um it's such like an accessible piece of music as well which is i think like really important for um you know like indian independent music in general you know like i feel like along the way the dominant styles aren't always accessible so an album like homecoming especially and this title track as well and all the tracks on it are um you know things that you can play that i think can be enjoyed by everybody in all kinds of settings um which makes me even more eager to you know hopefully get to see him live someday so uh you know here's hoping that you know on the back of this album as well as uh, all the work that he's done so far that uh, yeah he can he can really perform uh either around india or like you know even the world really well anurag before we play the song a song of the a song of the year um I, i would like to actually give credit to all of the different performers who have performed on homecoming um so i mean it was com- composed by anirudh verma and pratik narsimha uh written by pratik narsimha and anirudh did the piano arrangement and music direction now a long list is coming up be warned <laughs> uh, this includes the vocals the instruments which is you know guitar sitar flute uh the drums tabla the choir uh this includes pratik narsimha kavya singh santur kundu saptak chatterjee astha mandal gatha akash kamini abhishek mittal shrikant biswakarma somitra thakur rohit prasanna dimple kumar avilion jaiswas varun rajasekharan saptak sharma madhur choudhary anmol kumar gatha akash kamini anushree mahendra athira gopi shraddha shri santur kundu again here uh, aramol rajendra babu arjun pande chayan bhardwaj adarsh saxena bhakti kalidhar vidishi sharma and uh, kavya mohan uh, i think i already mentioned well, her but she was also mentioned a second time yeah so yeah. Ju- as as you said just just a huge collection of excellent and I, and, I, and i'm sure um, astute listeners of indian classical music will recognize a number of those names that i just said yeah even even indian artists actually saptak chatterjee is an exceptional vocalist and composer and he's had his own actually like really cool fusion album come out this year as well uh, so uh, aina so yeah i would i would definitely recommend people check that out as well <laughs> well uh, anurag thank you so much for for giving me your time uh, and uh, thank you for sharing your choices so before i let you go and before we play the song uh w- w- one last sort of sneaky bonus question is what are you looking forward to most for 2023 in terms of a show or an album or anything any any early drop for the next day any any preview of what we should look forward to i would say that um i'm i'm definitely looking forward to lalapalooza india that's going to be one of the biggest 
lot of things to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to see the Strokes uh, and uh, Greta Van Fleet and a bunch of other acts. Obviously, Imagine Dragons as well, just for, even though not personally a fan, definitely cool to see an artist of that level. So uh, yeah, I'm first and foremost looking forward to that. And I think I'm just looking forward to, you know, like Indian uh, music that exists outside of, you know, film music and Bollywood to like really break a few more records and get to a few more new heights. So yeah, uh, that's, that's, I'm, I'm sure that's how it's going to go. Well, Anurag, thank you again and I'll catch you soon. Choti si meri dunia Chota sa ye jahan छोटी सी मेरी दुनिया छोटा सा ये जहां कितनों के सपनों को लेकर हूं मैं चला कितनों के सपनों को लेकर हूं मैं चला
Pratik Santram joins us to round up our best of 2022 episode. Off the record, we were discussing all of the Indian shows and TVs that we have watched and enjoyed this year. Uh, and I think Pratik, you and I came back to something. We, we, we're gonna we're gonna repeat something because we realized after taking everything into consideration, the best show was something we've already talked about before. 
so the show that was our favorite this year and which we want to crown our favorite best of 2022 was the second season of panchayat साला रोड ही बाबा सिर है प्रधान जी ने पिछले इलेक्शन में वादा किया था कि गांव का पूरा मेन रोड पक्का करवाएंगे आज एक तारीख आप फाइनल कीजिए नहीं तो कह रहे हैं यहीं पे पेट्रोल डाल के आत्मदाह कर लेंगे हम क्या यार ये क्या उस बवासीर वाले स्लोगन को लेके अब तक लोड में है क्या एक नंबर के बन रहा का अभी उसके बाद मल दीजिए खेल खेल रहा ना भूषण दिखाते हैं उसको खेल तुम पॉलिटिक्स समझ नहीं रही हो Now we spoke about Panchayat about four or five months ago when it first came out. It's comedy drama written by Chandan Kumar and directed by Deepak Kumar Mishra, produced by TVF, The Viral Fever. Mm-hmm. It would be unfair to say it took the country by storm because it's not that kind of a viral show. It's kind of like a a show mm-hmm. that you find on your own time and you realize, oh wow, this was actually yeah. really good, and you recommend to your friends. So it's one of those like sneaky popular shows. The first season got great acclaim to a couple of years ago, and so for them to follow mm-hmm. it up. With the second season that you know I felt was actually stronger than the first one, and I feel we can give the spoiler now. Enough time has passed the, with the way the second season ended, kind of added mm-hmm. a new sort of complexity to the show. Uh, but before yeah. we talk about that, yeah. I'll just uh, describe Panchayat for those who haven't seen it. Uh, it's a story of Abhishek Tripathi, who's played by Jitendra Kumar, and he's an ambitious engineering graduate who finds himself in this uh, unfamiliar r- rural setting. He's from the city. He has to go to the village. Uh, all his other fellow graduates they're getting placed in these high salary jobs in the big city some are going abroad they're earning six figure salaries and uh, so abhishek is now the filter through which uh, we which are the audience and we see we are the outsiders to the rural setting as well and we see this drama unfold in indian village life but one of the things the show does is that uh, instead of sort of casting this conventional judgmental eye of oh village life village life will be simple uh, we are taking to this village is the village's name is fulera and in fulera abhishek is sort of you know he's not just judging it he's actually part of the local complexities and characteristics he takes us into this world which is taking small incremental steps towards social change but we see these incremental steps through a very inclusive eye it's not it's not casting as i've mentioned this eye of uh, us and them it's it's not making the difference between city and and rural it it puts a city person in the rural situation and says now deal with it like see how life actually unfolds um mm-hmm. so now that you know since we last spoke about panchayat pratik some time has passed in hindsight have there been other different new ideas that you sort of thought about this show since i, I was going to say that that um i think we we briefly spoke about it but like because time has passed and you can actually look at the entire like storyline you're right it's not so they could have done so much with it which if if somebody told me what the story what the what the show is about I, the way my mind would have worked it out it's going to be a scandal there's going to be something big there's going to be something huge that's going on and yes there is there is a a, a story arc that's throughout the episodes but it's never like it never gets too unbelievable and more importantly it never and even with like just it shows a lot of daily life in the village but it never gets boring it's always entertaining it's never preachy it's never an like you said it's never an us versus them or a village versus city kind of setting uh it 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 actually stays away from all the stereotypes or all those uh, tropes that it could have become and actually would have become if it not been like helmed really well hmm. um and even though you know in season 2 there is a kind of a big bad but he's not always there he's not a, like a looming figure 
and yeah and it's it's really uh, very very emotional by the end of it mm. i think the last 15 minutes of the show are really really emotional which i think we'll talk about in a bit but at the same time it's it it never ceases to be entertaining never ceases to be funny and at at a very at a, at another level it never takes things lightly as well mm. like there are real problems that these people are facing uh and some of it is funny of course but it also shows that you know village problems a lot of times we we tend to like laugh at them or they're just for com- comedic value and it's not that they are regular people with regular problems yeah it's just uh, a lot of times it's different from what what we experience in the cities at least you know w- one of the great points you brought up was the fact that it's um it's resisting stereotype but and it's sort of finding the the joy and the comedy and the drama in everyday life because i i feel that as i was watching this you know th- th- there are serious issues b- behind every villager's livelihood you know th- th- there's issues mm-hmm. of open defecation there's issues of proper roads that lead to the village that might help with economic opportunities there's issues of corruption yeah. there's issues of death you know um so so i think if if, if they really wanted to that it it would just be a sad depressing show because people go through serious stuff but they show the real side because the indian mentality often is to sort of when when there is so much drama in your life you, you can just go on day to day live every day as as you have to live it and uh, find the humor and find the comedy and find the camaraderie in every day you know yeah uh, so i i really enjoyed that uh, that decision by this show and and the fact that these larger issues were always there but they were dealt with with a light touch and it was a very yeah. realistic light touch because you know i mean if you stop and think about it almost all of us can have larger issues to then press down upon our lives but we are not thinking about them all, all day we are we are going with our lives and we are dealing with each hurdle as it comes along so i think th- that was a, a a really great decision taken by the show and especially um, in the character of abhishek who who sort of goes from being this person like the, the arc used to be will abhishek be comfortable in the village in the first season yeah and now the sec- the second season arc is well abhishek is now part of the village and here are the, the things that he's dealing with as a somewhat outsider even the the potential love story of uh, abhishek and uh, rinki is just rinki, yeah. it's not forced upon anybody there's no no it's if if anything that's happening it's in the it's in the audience's head it's we the audience who are expecting something to happen but nothing on screen is actually happening in that way so i think um, i really enjoyed that um you know uh, as as i mentioned it, uh, it 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 dove into the heaviest topics with light humor and uh, just yeah. looked looked at the abs- uh, absurdity of life so you know some of those scenes were i took i took a notes about some of those sort of um, important moments when the when the when the dm visits to to see if the mm. village is free of open defecation and they trying to stop this one yeah. person from taking a shit outside in the farms is is i yeah. i felt i think that was my personal favorite scene in indian indian tv all year uh, it was it was so hilarious <laughs> um there was a scene of the one protest um uh, the, the driver of the anti alcohol car who himself gets drunk yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah who's drunk himself yeah who's drunk himself and 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 then but ends up being this really wise influence on abhishek there's that wedding in, in uh, engagement that's endangered over a restaurant mix up where both yeah. sides had too much of an ego of to so there's there's these little things but they because the characters are so well developed we th- these scenes become really memorable because i'm sure as, as i'm saying this they're rushing back to you now as well yeah. 
yeah 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 and i think i think you're right like it's we know we know it at some level especially like people we we spoke about this last time also but people who are from like that general area mm-hmm. and we might not have like experienced it a whole lot of times but we know this exists we know people who have been through this we know we've probably attended that one wedding like the the one uh, scene where where his office is used as a barati the groom side of the family they have to yeah. basically sit in his office yes. and they take his favorite it's, chair i think that's on the first his favorite chair yeah. and i i think that's where it got like uh, where it was like deep as well as but it's again as i said still retaining was that the whole chair issue and then they take that chair and that chair come kind of becomes a symbol of power yeah uh, but yeah i think that and in fact i think that was my favorite episode where the groom's uh, family comes and just stays mm-hmm. there because uh, it also has like i think two or three meme worthy yeah. <laughs> moments the, there are a lot of the... meme worthy moments from this show um <laughs> and i think that's another that's another sign of knowing how something became uh, uh, something went viral but in a different way and, you know uh, yeah. when but uh, when a lot of people online are sort of making references to the show um so let's talk about the ending we didn't speak about the ending last time we didn't want to spoil it but uh, enough time yeah. has passed by the very end of the season uh, the show takes its first actually seriously dark turn uh, when mm. the character of prahlad Pralaj, who played by Fazal Malik, um, who's yeah. one of the assistants to the Gram Pradhan in Pulera, his son passes away while uh, stationed at the border. He's, I think, in some whether it's a war or border skirmish, we're not exactly told. Um, and his his son dies, and 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 he gets this. His his son's body gets a hero's welcome back in in the yeah. in the village. Uh, it shows another. The, the, this ending gives another opportunity for. the female characters of the show to to, to show their strength of uh, uh, manju devi and it shows like th- their solidarity every everyone comes together again uh, because of this sort of tragedy that they can all sort of empathize with um so did you could you have imagined this kind of twist coming in the show's tone and did, did you feel that they handled the the change of tone well i think it was brilliant because um i think they handled it really well to start with uh, because first of all no i did not see that coming at all i thought it kind of uh, because the storyline doesn't go towards that at all uh, there is no like foreboding there's no uh, warning that we get that this is going to happen uh, and it kind of made sense but again i like the fact that it happens like it would happen in real life where there's no warning mm. it just it just comes i mean and you know we have i mean i'm sure all of us have been through that you know that sudden shock shocking news that comes uh, across over the phone mm-hmm. and i remember that scene where even till when he when he takes that phone call i i was like no no it's got to be something else because i think the the the, the mood in this was quite jovial it was quite like oh it's coming to an end it's going to end on a high note it's going to end on a happy note and you see his face change mm-hmm. and you you think it's going to be probably like abhishek has been transferred out or something but it gets keeps getting smaller his face and then you realize oh no this is much bigger than that uh so i think i think it was handled really well it it was uh, it was sprung upon us uh, like bad news in real life would be sprung upon us and uh, just just uh, just the performances you're right it takes a very dark turn and it just uh, gives depth to all the actors but of course mm-hmm. faisal khan i think did such an amazing job in the last whatever 5 minutes that he was there on screen so yeah i mean i i think it was it was really really well done i hope I hope this doesn't become the template for it for season three though. <laughs> it goes. I I would I would still want to see like 
that kind of uh, yeah. the kind of mood that it has been setting but yeah i think it was great it was well done i, th- I think was, i'll yeah. trust the because if you remember season 1 also ended with a different kind of cliffhanger there was a romantic cliffhanger is the first time he sees rinki yeah. and um, and i think a lot of us assumed then that season 2 will be a love story between rinki and abhishek but again they don't really as i mentioned they don't really go into it they rinki and abhishek more than a love story they just seem to be there for each other as confidants as young people who can sort of relate to each other in a different way so uh, my my prediction would be that that this obviously the, the, the this loss for fazil will of course overshadow his personality for the next season but in general i i i feel that the show will remain will continue with its tone because just like in real life life goes on you know pe- people lose mm-hmm. other people and they find other yeah. issues to sort of other roadblocks other things to be happy about uh, and i feel that'll probably be my prediction for the next season uh, pratik anything else you want to yeah, add before we sort of tie the bow on our favorite show of the of the year on panchayat season 2 nothing man i think i i look forward to like watching uh, i mean i hope panchayat 3 comes out soon thank you pratik so much for joining us and uh, i'll catch you in the new year a big thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in i hope you have enjoyed this episode please check us out on the chakkar.com and we are on facebook on instagram and twitter at the chakkar until next time chakkar ghumte raho <laughs>